Hey, it's good to see everybody here. How's everybody doing today? Are you glad to be in the house of God? Amen. Y'all looking good. Turn to your neighbor and say, you look good today. And hopefully if they live with you, you've already said that. If it's a stranger, just take the compliment. So, well, it's great to see everyone in the room today. And I want to say hello to those who are watching us on YouTube and on Facebook, online. Come on, can we give it up for our online family, those who are watching? <clears throat> well, Lisa and I missed you guys last Sunday, but we were away celebrating 27 years married. Hello. I married a Texas girl, so I just got to get, get a little close up on this shirt right here. Brisket fed and spirit led, baby. All right. Awesome. Well, hey, also, we just want to, 27 years, that's crazy. It was like yesterday, and I was like, who is this woman? So I want to celebrate also some special people in the room uh, today. This past week for Gwinnett County. Uh, was Teacher Appreciation Week. And I realize we're a church of uh, many counties, which is awesome. And so on this past Wednesday morning, uh, me and the awesome Dream Team, our staff here, we spread out and went to five different schools and just blessed the faculty and staff with donuts, coffee, and a whole bunch of thank yous. Now, last semester, we, we did three schools. We grew by two. But I want to tell you, our vision one day with your help, because we, we have a small staff, is on Teacher Appreciation Week, we want to hit every school in this area to say thank you, thank you, thank you. So if you are a current teacher or administrator in the room, would you please stand so we could recognize you and celebrate you real quick? Stay stand. Look at us. There you are. There you are. All right. Go for it, ushers. Stay standing, stay standing, stay standing. We got, go ahead. Got some gift cards for you guys just to say thank you. We love y'all. Y'all are amazing. Now they're they going to keep standing in the back till y'all get those gift cards to them. They're like, I ain't sitting until I get that gift card. I'll say this as we're still passing out the cards. Uh, she's like, you better give it to me. Uh, I, I am who I am because of my dad, number one. Dad, I love you. Number two, a volunteer youth pastor. Wasn't paid a penny. He volunteered. Number three and four, fifth grade teacher and a high school coach. And so teachers, we don't say it enough. I know it's been a hard, hard coming out of COVID, but thank you for what you do. You're making a difference more than you know, for sure. All right, well, I'm super excited and honored to be bringing you the word today as we are in part three of Love Over Lust. And so we're going to be going there, and this is my final warning, warning, danger, Will Robinson, danger. This is my final warning to any parents that got littles in the room. If you do, now would be a great time to uh, step out as I pray for the message. And if you're taking notes, and if you're new around here, we encourage you to take notes because we believe not only is God's word going to be spoken to you, but you might get something fresh that's not on the notes that I don't say from the Holy Spirit. So I encourage everybody to take notes on your phone. Don't get on social media. Take notes on your phone or go old school like I do and get out the notes and take it because I believe God wants to give us a lot of stuff today to help us. 
Because the, t- the title of today's message, all the T's, the title of today's message is How to Live a Sexually Pure Life. How to Live a Sexually Pure Life. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we thank you that your presence is already here. And we welcome you now to come a, come a little closer. Lord, I come to you today as I have felt all week the weight of this message. I come to you today with fear and trembling to be your mouthpiece for your people for this subject. So help me, Holy Spirit, speak. And would you just right now put your hand on your heart? Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts. Do the healing in our hearts that you want to do during this time as we dive into your word. We silence all the noise and the distractions of the world, even the important things, just for this time, for you to do something deep in our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. And if you agree, everybody said? Amen. 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 If you have your Bible, turn over to Matthew chapter 5. We're continuing our Sermon on the Mount series. But before we dive into today's subject, I'm going to give a couple scriptures before we go to Matthew 5. I want to say just a couple things, just off the start. Number one, I am not the professor of love and sex. I'm not. I am not the professor of love and sex. Now, if you were here last week, you heard from the professors, an incredible married couple who, you know, and and Pastor Johnson, he's not the professor, but we're, we're laying out the truth. Somebody say truth. Of God's word about sex. By the way, funny, funny uh, story. Last week, we, as I said, we were celebrating and we were coming back from beautiful Greenville, South Carolina. And so Pastor Chad uh, texted me. He was sitting on the front row with my son, Grant, my 16-year-old. And uh, he texted us. We were driving home. It was during the 1 p.m. And he said, I am having a really fun time watching Grant as these two people talk about sex. And uh, Grant's eyes, I can only imagine, were like, what is happening? And so I said, he might need counseling after, Chad. And, uh, and then later, I was, we parked somewhere, and uh, I got out the live feed. I just wanted to see where it was going on. And I kid you not, guys, it was just the crazy timing. Uh, they were talking about handcuffs and, and whipped cream. And, and I, I wrote Chad and me like, yeah, he's going to need counseling. He's going to need counseling. And you're going to do it, Chad. So, but anyway, I'm not the professor of love and sex, but I'm a pastor that cares. And I'm, I'm a man who has a story that I'm going to share and a little bit of God's healing and deliverance. But also I'll say this, I'm on a journey just like you. I'm not where I used to be, thank God. Anybody with me? Aren't you glad you're not where you used to be? Hello. I've experienced the healing and the deliverance of the Lord Jesus Christ and being freed from sexual addiction. I've experienced that firsthand. But I'm also here to tell you I'm not where I want to be. And so I'm continually, as I speak for many people in the room, moving forward in this subject. I'm still tempted in this area every week. And so I just want to just set that straight for all of us. We're all together on this. This is just a platform that elevates me so you can see me as we go there in the Word together. I'm just like you, just a man, all right? You know, sex is one of the most important topics that we should talk about. And I know that some people uh, might be like, why are we talking about this in church? Well, let me just tell you, because God talks about a lot of it in the Word of God. God talks about sex a lot in the Word. And I, I come, I'm on the older side of Generation X on the top side, even though I am very young. All right. And uh, let's set the record straight. Um, but I'm on the top side of Generation X, and I'll just say this, and I'm not blaming our parents 
But we didn't talk about this stuff back in the day. And I never heard it preached about in church. I never heard sex talked about through God's word about what God says about sex. And so we got to talk about it. But you know where I heard it? As where I heard about sex? All out in the world and in school. And it was all the twisted and perverted sex. Not God's intention for my life. And so we want to talk about it because God talks about it. And if God talks about it, we need to be listening. Amen? So I want to get us all on the same page real quick. Uh, about sex, if I could just summarize all this, four facts. Somebody say facts. facts. I want to give you four facts about sex. Facts number one, God created it. Period. God created sex. He came up with it. It was his design, a beautiful intimacy. That leads me to fact number two. God created us. Somebody say me. He's talking about us. God created us as sexual beings designed for physical intimacy between a man and a woman. Say it with me. Who is married? Who is married? Fact number two, God create He created sex. Number two, He created us as sexual beings to have that beautiful intimacy between husband and wife in holy matrimony for as long as we both shall live. Fact number three, hell will always try to pervert what God created as beautiful. I want you to get that in your spirit. Hell hates God. Hell hates anything that came from God. Hell hates anything that looks like God. And so hell will always try to pervert what God created and, or I'll even add the word, and ordained as beautiful, which sex is between a husband and a wife. And then fact number four, I told you to give me four facts, get us all on the same page. We live in a sex-saturated society that is constantly bombarding us with 24-7 images that can warp and pervert the beauty of sexual intimacy between a married couple. And if you're not married, it can warp and pervert your future spouse. It can it warp and pervert, excuse me, the intimacy between your future spouse. You may be single and young today, but if you're getting involved with sexual sin, I'm telling you, if you don't deal with it and repent from it, it will affect your future marriage. And there was a lie that was told to me and many men of my generation that when you get married, you'll never deal with it again. That's a lie. You'll carry it right into your marriage. That lustful spirit, you'll carry it right in to your marriage unless you repent of it and get healed from it. Again, hell hates anything that smells like God, looks like God, is God. Hell hates God, actually. He hates God. He hates marriage. He hates everything about us because we look like our Father. We were made in His image. Come on, somebody. And His main purpose, hell, hell's main purpose, come on, you know it, is to steal, kill, and destroy. And He'll take any of those. He'll take one of them. He'll take all three. Whatever He can to do to destroy your soul, to destroy your marriage, destroy your family destroy you. He hates you. And the Bible calls him the prince of the power of the air. Air being the unseen world, the world right now. By the way, right now there is spiritual warfare going on. As I am preaching God's word, there's warfare going on right now in the spirit realm. It's an unseen world for us. And the Bible calls Satan, Lucifer, the prince. He ain't no king. He's the prince of the power of the air. Well, how do you become a prince, Chris? When, when we fell, 
going back to the garden, he took over. And all, the Bible tells us that all creation, I'm talking planet Earth, all creation is waiting for the king to the return. He's waiting for the king to return, to set things right. Come on, somebody. But while that's going on and while we're waiting for the Lord to return and while we're trying to live this holy and pure life before God, hell is flooding every single outlet he can with a twisted and perverted version of sex. I mean, it's all over the place. You can't even hardly watch commercials anymore. By the way, fellas and ladies who love football, I'm looking forward to football season when it comes. But I tell you what, I no longer watch live football games because of some of the commercials. I, we have this thing that we can record now. Come on, somebody. Whoever heard that was from the Lord idea. I record it on my YouTube. I go through the game. It makes it a lot quicker, by the way. And fast forward, I don't have to see any of that junk. Because it's everywhere. It's everywhere. That's why I would even encourage all of us just to jump on social media, do your thing, and then get off. Because it's, it's everywhere. So with that being said, let's just be real honest in the room today. It can be very challenging to live and to walk out a pure and holy life. It can just be challenging. Any honest people in the room? Hello? I mean, it's just, let's, let's just be real. It can be challenging to live a sexually pure life in this world, whether you're single or you're married. Let's, let's look at some very real challenges. These stats are not fun to say. They were not fun to read, but let's look at the reality of what's going on in our world. I could give you tons. I'll just summarize a few. One out of five children. Oh, by the way, let me just preface this by saying these stats are actually two and three years old, so they're worse today. This comes from georgebarner.org, which you can trust his stuff. That organization is right on. One out of five children have sex by the age of 12 in America. I believe that has come down to 10 now. Average age of viewing porn for the first time is 11. I was 10 when I found pornography. I'll share about that in a moment. 94% of children, 94% of children will see porn by the age of 14. One of the, the other things right here, just to give you a couple more, over the course, and these, these are horrific in themselves, but over the course of a lifetime, 28% of youth in America, ages 14 through 17, report being sexually victimized. One in four girls and one in 20 boys are victims of sexual abuse. That comes from the National Center for Victims of Crime Reports. This is not on the screen, but um, 50% of Christians, listen to this. This was the one that grabbed me. A friend sent this to me last night because he knew I was talking about this. And this just broke my heart. 50% of Christians believe, they say that casual sex, or they believe that casual sex between consenting adults is okay. 50% of Christians, that'd be half this room, believe that you can have casual sex between two consenting adults. It's okay. That comes from the Pew, Pew Research. You know, today we live, and it's very evident, this word I'm about to give you is not a new word. It's definitely become very prevalent in the last three to five years. Today we live in this hookup culture. And the hookup culture, it, it, it accepts and encourages uh, casual sex encounters, what, which includes one-night stands or whatever other kind of sexual activity is taking place. 
without having to be in a committed relationship. It's just a hookup culture. And let me just tell you, uh, it is all in the schools, private and public. It's all out there. It's in the world, and it's prevalent. And what people don't realize, Christian or non-Christian, is there is no such thing as casual sex. There's no such thing as a one-night stand. Because what people don't realize is that sex is a spiritual and sacred thing. And something happens when you have sex with someone else that there is a bonding that takes place. There is an intimate connection, an emotional, spiritual thing that takes place. And it could have been a one-night stand or it could have been many events or whatever. But there's a binding that takes place in that. Right here, look on the screen. It might have already come up. But sex is not, somebody say not. Sex is not just a physical act, but a sacred and spiritual act as it binds people together, body and soul. It is sacred. It is sacred. Why is it sacred? Because it came from God. Sex came from God. No matter what the world's trying to do to it, God came up with sex, and that makes it spiritual, and that makes it sacred. And by the way, I don't have time to go there, but uh, again, if you're taking notes, 2 Timothy chapter 3 tells us that one of the signs of the last days before the Lord comes back is that it says these exact words, people will consider nothing sacred. People will consider nothing sacred. It's one of the signs that they were going to be living in the last days. And church, I don't need to tell you that is the world we live in right now. There's nothing sacred anymore. The fathers knows best generation, all the stuff on TV, all the things going on, Nothing that was considered right or holy or pure or, you know, non, non-Christian words. Uh, just the standard. It, there is no standard anymore. The things that we never thought we'd see on television. Television. Not, not accounting streaming or all the social media, all, all the streaming networks and cable. But the things on television we thought we'd never see or hear, there is no longer a standard. So guess who has to have standards? Us. Guess who has to have convictions? Us. Because the world has no convictions. And who are we going to mirror? The world or King Jesus? I want to I mirror, by the grace of God and by his strength, the sacred one. Amen? The one who came up with it, our, our Father. Y'all with me today? A couple of scriptures before we park in Matthew 5 in the Sermon on the Mount. From right here, both from Paul, two different letters to two different churches. He says, run. Somebody say run. Run, Run, Forrest, run. Run. Run from sexual sin. See, too many of us in the room have been trying, trying to fight sexual sin, and it never tells you to fight sexual sin. It actually says to stay away from it. It says to run from it. Another translation would say flee anything that stimulates youthful lust. Run from it. Don't even go near it. But we let it entertain us. Run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. Why? Because it's sacred. Because it's spiritual. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Come on. Who lives in you and was given to you by God. 
You do not, if you're a Christ follower, you do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price. What was that high price? The blood of his son. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for purchasing me, even in my yuck. For God bought you, somebody say me, with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. One more scripture. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 4. God's will. So if you're ever wondering, what is God's will about sex? Right here, plain and simple. God's will is for you to be holy. So there it is. Look at the language and the verbiage. So stay away from all sexual sin. Then each of you will control his own body and live in holiness and honor. Not in lustful passion like the pagans who do not know God and, 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 and his ways. Never harm or cheat a fellow believer in this matter by violating his wife. Oh my goodness, I wish I had time to go there. We don't. For the Lord avenges all such sins as we have solemnly warned you before. God has called. Somebody say called. He's called us to live holy lives. Now listen, that's, that's huge. God's called us to walk this way. He's called us to be pure in an impure world. Leave it on the screen if you don't mind. God has called us to live holy lives. He's calling, saying, son, I'll just put my name there. You put your name. Chris, will you walk after me? Will you run after me and my ways? I'm calling you to be holy. I'm calling you to be sexually pure in a sexually impure world. He's called us to live holy lives, not impure lives. Now look at this. This is huge. And most people don't read this verse. The next verse, verse 8. Therefore, anyone who refuses to live by these rules... This standard that God has put for us, anyone who refuses to live by these rules is not disobeying human teaching, but is rejecting who? God, who gives his Holy Spirit to you. Now, uh, I just said a couple things. I'm in teacher mode, so y'all stay with me for a second, then we'll, we'll kind of bring this in. You know, a lot of times you hear the word sexual immorality, right? Um, it, it's all through the uh, New Testament. Paul really parked on those words. And without doing a deep dive of those words, the Greek word for sexual immorality is the word, interesting, the Greek word is pornea, which is where we get our English word, pornography. Actually, if you dive deep into it, I just need to say this, that word means prostitution. You're selling yourself. You're surrendering yourself. You're giving yourself away. So the Greek word is pornea, which is where we get our English word, pornography. So I want to make sure we understand what is sexual immorality right here on the screen. Sexual immorality is the surrendering. Man, oh gosh, let's just stay on that for a second. It is the surrendering. Just let that sit for a second. Sexual immorality is the surrendering of our sexual purity and it involves any type of sexual expression outside. Somebody say outside. So God is like, pause it for a second. God's like, here's where I want you to go. I want you to have fun, and I bless it, and it's beautiful, and it's great. I came up with it right in the biblically defined marriage. That's where I want you to have sex. But what he's saying right here is what definition, a biblical definition of sexual morality is when we surrender our sexual purity or any type of sexual expression which is outside the boundaries of a biblically defined marriage relationship. Y'all with me? Now, let me just say something real quick before I share my story. I realized, because I just had a lot of people tell me afterward, that you can relate with what I'm about to share. And, and I just want to say this 
to all of us in the room. Again, I go back to we're not who we used to be. I don't know what your past was like, but can I just remind you today of that key word? It was your past. So if right now the enemy is whispering to you, you've done too much, you've, you, Chris is going this message and you're just, you're just a sinner and you've just made some. Can I tell you what? Shut the enemy's mouth. Don't even listen to him. You are not a failure. Our past has been redeemed. Our pa- the things that were stolen from us has been restored. We serve a God who can redeem what the enemy has taken from us. And so I just want to tell you, if you're feeling guilt and shame and condemnation lying to you right now, well, that's what it is. It is a lying spirit. Because the Word of God, not Chris, the Word of God says, if you are a Christian, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. None. Now, if you're convicted, that's a different story. Speaking of stories, I'm going to use this language. I surrendered my sexual purity at the age of 10 years old when I found my first pornographic magazine. Everything back then used to be in magazines. And so, I mean, we're, we're going way back. <clears throat> we're going back. We're going back in the day when we used to, during the summertime, get on our bikes after breakfast, bye, Mom, and head out and just be in all in the woods and just have fun. Anybody remember that day? You're just biking all over the place. No, there, was, there was no Life 360. There was no cell phone. There was nothing. You were just out there going everywhere. Whether you were in the city or like me, I lived a little bit outside the city. My family did. We were just everywhere. I told Lisa, I was telling her yesterday a little bit about the message, and we used to have Roman candle battles all the time. And she's like, how did you not set the forest on fire? I'm like, only God. I don't know. You know. But I would grab my dad's old jackets and, uh, and put them on because it hurt when you got hit by those things. And then I made the mistake of not hiding those jackets. And during wintertime, my dad put it on. He's like, why is there so many holes in my, in my jacket? And so we just had a blast. We had fun. And one day of all those fun days, and it happened in the summer, me and my best friend were riding bikes, and we came upon a pile of pornographic magazines. And I gave my heart to Jesus at 12, but uh, I knew enough that this wasn't right. I was 10. And so I took two or three. So did my best friend. He took them home with him. I took two or three and hid it in our treehouse that we had built in the woods. I hid it from my parents. I hid it from my brothers. I'm the oldest of four. And, uh, and I kept going back to it. I was drawn to those pictures. And I, that kept me, that created from craving to an addiction that literally kept me in bondage until 22 years old, which I'll, I'll share about in a second, how God freed me and delivered me from that. Go back now to age 11. At age 11, I was sexually taken advantage of by a babysitter. And I didn't get raped. We didn't have sex. But she did things that she should not have done to me. And so that opened up, as you can imagine. So I've already got the the images in my mind. That's opening up all the physical stuff that no 11-year-old should ever have to go through. And so that sent me down a spiral of relationship after relationship in my teen years with girls doing things I shouldn't have done. Unfortunately, in my late teens, I surrendered my virginity uh, to to a young lady uh, who I said 
to her, I love you, which actually I lusted her. I didn't love her. I lusted her. Lust says now. Love says wait. By the way, let me just get on my old youth pastor hat for a moment. Ladies, all the single la- all the sing- oh, ladies, all the single ladies in the room. If a man, let me just say boy, if a boy says, hey, I love you, I love you, and relationships are getting serious, all right? He's I love you, and he's, y'all are somewhere you shouldn't be, and he's like, hey, let's get it on. If he just says that to you and saying, I love you, can I tell you what? I give you permission, not that you need it, to let the spirit of slap come over you and for you just to slap that boy right upside the head. And then run from that animal. And then call your daddy. And if you don't have a daddy, call one of the pastors. We'll come pick you up. And by the way, as I said, we were youth pastors for over 20 years. Lisa and I got a lot of those calls. She's like, you said to do it. So I jack slapped him. I'm like, good. Hope it left out handprint for like days and then I came and picked him up with Lisa or one of my leaders I love you no I lusted her so that took all that went all through until 22 and I found myself at Bible college I finally had surrendered to the Lord at 19 some of y'all know my story at 22 years old I'm at Christ for the nations pursuing finally the call of God on my life what God wanted Chris to do and not what Chris wanted to do come on there's a big difference and, uh, man, I just, I surrendered. I mean, every day God was just, he was digging deep. I kept saying, Lord, do whatever you got to do. And he's like, okay. And he was just digging deep. Be careful of the prayers you pray. <laughs> Lord, do dig it out, dig it out. He's like, I am. And it hurt, and it was painful. And finally, I was at a place that I felt like I just needed to talk to somebody. Counseling is very good, by the way. And so I, I, I met with one of the professors and spent a whole afternoon uh, of just getting deep, healing and cleansing in my soul and deliverance, being delivered from sexual addiction. And this is how we did it that day. I'm not proud of it, but I'm just telling you the truth. He took me through every relationship. Like it started with the one that I gave my virginity away from. I surrendered my virginity to her, but we went back to the first girl. And I think he had to be thinking after like whatever number, he's like, maybe we should have just done a general number. (laughs) And uh, I'm sad to say, but I mean, I, I went through everyone. Lord, I give her to you. I break my attachment with her in Jesus' name. I bless her, God. I thank you. Her future's blessed. I break off any tie and I close that door in Jesus' name. Any soul tie, you break it off. And I save my soul and my heart and my purity for the one that you have for me in holy matrimony. I mean, I went through it was hours. He was exhausted. I was exhausted. But man, I walked out of there, I'm telling you, I walked out of there free. And I, and I believe, and I call this, so I'll probably write a book on it one day. I walked out of there. I could, you can't ever go back, you can't go back in time and redo the physical act, but God can do something spiritually. And literally, I call it the glory of a new virginity. The physical act, I can't go back, but he did something so deep in me and so spiritual and so clean and so liberating that I was like, my innocence was back. It was like a do-over. 
That's our God. Only God can do that. And I'm telling you, I know, I know how innocent came back in me because on our honeymoon, I locked myself in the bathroom because I was scared to death. And I'm not trying to tell you, Lisa, was some wild thing. I was just so... <laughs> What'd I say? She wasn't. I'm just saying, well, maybe. I don't know. But anyway, where are we on the notes? I just... <laughs> You can have fun in church, everybody. You can, you can be real. And, but I'm just telling you, I, God, God, I was so clean inside that it was like the first time all over again. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> just came out weird. Uh, <laughs> going back, I met her at 23. I was like, Lord, there's a God in heaven who loves me. And she, one of the ways you know the one, she made me want to be more like Jesus. One of the ways. And uh, funny story, all the girls I dated in my life, we had one rule at the house. One rule. If you're going to date the girl, you got to come home and introduce her to mom and dad. By the way, that's a good rule. I would say do it. But I hated the outcome because when I'd come home after the date a few hours later, my dad being that old rocking chair. <laughs> I would hear it walking up on the back porch. I'm like, oh, man, I could just go to bed. I walk in, hey, son, hey, dad. Son, I got one thing to tell you. Yes, Dad, she's not the one. Don't waste your time or your heart. Every girl. So I'm in Dallas. My dad's in Bama. I meet her. I'm a different person. Everything's changed. I call, call my dad. He, went, he was still at work. Got my mom on the phone, told her everything. She's like, oh, you know, as moms can be. Told my dad, my dad had a dream that night in Bama, I'm in Texas at Bible College, calls me up the next day, and this was back in the day, again, pay phone, fifth floor, Fritz, you got a call, ran all the way down there, got the pay phone, hey, hey dad, I'm about to go to class, what's up? He's like, son, I got one thing to tell you, uh-huh, don't lose this one, she's the one. And I'm like, what? He had a dream that night, and the Lord said, the girl that Chris has married is his wife. Now, I didn't tell her that for a long time because that would have scared her to death. We were just starting off there. I told her later, though. Uh, I said, you the one, baby. I just want to tell you, why am I telling you this story? Because God can restore. Listen to me. God can restore whatever we've lost willingly and whatever's been taken from us. We serve a God who literally can restore what we've lost. I gave it away and what's been taken, stolen from us. One, one of the many characters of restoration is Job. His latter days were greater and better because God restored it than his earlier days. And he lost a lot. God's restoration is always better than before. If you're in the room or online and you're battling with sexual sins or failures of the past, today, today is your day that you can start a journey of healing and freedom. Amen? Today's that day. Matthew 5. Jesus rocks everybody's world because he talks about sex. In a Roman-ruled world where sex was everywhere, and it was crazy, and it was wrong, and it was perverted and twisted, Rome, by the way, was the first civilization that we know historically that fully endorsed, fully accepted, 
and fully promoted same-sex marriage. And so that's the culture, that's the times he's living in. He's speaking to a Jewish audience, he being a Jew, but also the Son of God. He's doing this beautiful Sermon on the Mount there. Thousands are surrounding him. Sprinkled in there are Gentiles, people like us, non-Jews. And he says this, verse 27. Are you there? You have heard the commandment. So he's quoting one of the Ten Commandments. You've heard the commandment and says, you must not commit adultery. That's the seventh, by the way. But I say, somebody say, but I say. Think about that. The one who wrote the law is literally trumping the old law. To say, but I say, anyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Basically, what he's saying is this. He's plainly saying, this is Chris Frith translation. You guys are focusing on what happens in the bed, but I'm focusing on what's going on in your head. You're so focused about this, but you're missing the heart of the matter. What is going on in your head? Or what's going on in your heart? The whole thing of Jesus coming to fulfill the law was about people's hearts. And what he's saying is when you look upon a woman with lust. Now look, this is, this is speaking. You're, you're hearing look and man. And it was a male-dominated society at that time. But we all know, females, I know we know this, that men are not the only people who deal with lust. And so what he's saying is give an example. When you look upon a woman with lustful intent, you have already committed adultery in your heart. And then he goes radical. So if your eye, even your good eye, causes you to sin or causes you to lust, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. Look at this. He says hell twice in two sentences. That means with Jesus repeating something, it is very, very important. And if your hand, even your strong hand, causes you to sin, or maybe your translation would say right hand, causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. What is Jesus speaking about here? Because it sounds pretty cray-cray. What Jesus is speaking to is about radical purity. This is what he's saying right here on the screen. If you're going to remain sexually pure, you're going to have to put certain things out of reach and out of sight. This is a hyperbole. He doesn't actually mean for you to cut off your hand or pluck out your eye, but he's speaking to the heart of the matter because sin is engaged in two ways primarily, through your eyes and through your hands. Eyes being the entry point of inception, hands being the touch point of activation. So Jesus knew what he was doing. It's all through your eyes, with your hands, and listen to me, go straight to your heart. Quick, quick observations of this, and then we're going to bring it to a culmination. Y'all still with me? Quick, just quick observations of what we just read together. Sexual sin can defile your heart and completely control your life. Sexual sin can defile your heart and completely control your life. Listen, I'm, I'm going to go biological, so all my teachers are like, oh, biology, let's go. And spiritual. Sex, is, sex can be, I should say, like a drug. It's that powerful. Sexual thoughts and acts can produce the chemical dopamine, which is our pleasure hormone. Right? By the way, God created everything I'm talking about. But the enemy wants to pervert it. 
the pleasure hormone, dopamine, it goes off in your brain, which can create strong memories and cravings that yearn to be repeated. You keep going back. I'm doing good. Okay, I'll break through. You keep going back to it. You, there's something being released that when you're doing it, out of God's will, the craving of wanting to go back. So that's what happens. It starts as a craving, and the craving becomes addictions, which forms a block in your brain. Please listen to me. Look up here real quick. It forms a block in your brain between the reward center and the judgment center. So as the cravings become addictions, you're no longer judging things right because you're listening and your whole body is craving it. You're going with what you feel and what you like more than what is right. So there's this blockage within your brain between the reward center and the judgment center, which inhibits your mind to say no. And what sadly happens is a strong, here we go, spiritual, a stronghold is built in your mind and in your spirit that seals God out, excuse me, seals God out and seals lust in. But by the way, we serve a God whose name is Jesus who can break every stronghold in our life. Amen. But that's why many of us, we get victory over here. Thank you, Lord. And we go back over there. We get victory over here and we, don't, we get so angry, we get upset, and we might even go a few months. But the cravings just control us. And we hate it. And we even hate ourselves. And I'm telling you, our God can liberate us from those cravings. Number two observation from what we just read, sexual sin can take you to hell. No one preaches this. No one talks about it because like, oh, no, no, sexual sin. Now, let me make sure we understand this. A uh, quote right here I saw the other day really grabbed me. He says this. I can't pronounce his last name. Sexual sin is a matter of spiritual life and death. Thank you, Benjamin. Sexual sin is a matter of spiritual life and death. Now, this is what I mean. When we let, I'm not talking about um, when you make a mistake. Me and a brother were talking about it right after service. I make a mistake. You make a mistake. We're not, that does, a mistake doesn't send you to hell. But a lifestyle that you never confront and repent and you live that way, that means someone else is on the throne of your heart and it's not Jesus. It's sex. And it's been made an idol in your life. So when our, when our sexual life, sexual morality is living us and we're not confronting it and we're unrepenting, then we are worshiping sex instead of Jesus. And the Bible is very clear all through the New Testament. That the sexual, immoral lifestyle will not inherit the kingdom of God. Lifestyle. Not mistakes. It's a turning away from and you're living that way. And that's why I just say, hey, when you make a mistake, owe up quickly and repent. Repent quickly. Why? Because God's going to beat you down because you made a mistake? No, because you don't want anything for the enemy to get a foothold in your life. Repent quick. Tell on yourself to your spouse to accountability partner. Can't do it alone. We need each other. But be quick about it. Number three, to break the power of sexual sin, you have to get radical. Somebody say radical. Radical. Again, Jesus is using this hyperbole about cutting your hand and your, and your eye, plucking out your eye, because if you're, and he's basically saying this, if you're going to be serious if you're going to be serious about being sexually pure, you're going to have to operate differently from the status quo. You're going to have to operate differently from the world. Come on, drastic times call for drastic measures. 
And for many in the room, it is high time to make some radical changes in your life so you can walk holy and pure before God. Amen? So as we bring this to a culmination, again, I told you about taking notes today. I've given you a lot. Thank you for staying with me engaged. I want to give you four key areas as we close, and I'm going to go pretty quickly on it, and then we're going to have some time of ministry. But before I give you those four key areas, I want us to look at a scripture together that literally I found these four areas from. Gosh, there's so much in there. And Solomon, man, he knew what he was talking about, and he had some issues himself. So he knew as he wrote this later in his life. Let's just look at it together. Proverbs chapter 4 says this. Listen carefully, my dear child, to everything that I teach you, and pay attention to all that I say. These words are highlighted to see the four areas. Fill your thoughts with my words. Until they penetrate deep into your spirit, then as you unwrap my words, they will impart true life and radiant health into the very core of your being. That's what the word of God does when you read it. It brings life. So above all, guard the affections of your heart, for they affect all that you are. Pay attention to the welfare of your innermost being. Pay attention to your soul. From there flows the wellspring of life. Pay attention. Guard your heart, he says. Avoid dishonest speech and pretentious words. Be free from using perverse words no matter what. Set your gaze on the path before you and with with fixed purpose look straight ahead. Ignore life's distractions. Come on, somebody. Watch where you are going. Stick to the path of truth and the road will be safe and smooth before you. Don't allow yourself to be sidetracked for even a moment or take the detour that leads to darkness. That was a lot. We're going to dissect it quickly, and then we're going to pray. Number one, four areas we need to get radical with. All right, y'all still with me, 11 a.m.? Lean in. Here we go. We're going to finish up with these four areas that we all, starting with this man right here, we need to get radical with, me. All right? What you put in your mind. Number one, what you put in your mind. Four areas we need to get radical with. Why? Starts with your mind. The Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Whatever you think about is going to dominate your life. Whatever you put into your mind on a regular basis will form the way you think about things with actions soon to follow. But it all starts in your mind. Paul said this to the Roman church, but he says it to us today. He says, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. And where does that start? Read it with me. By changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Listen, the way to overcome to overcome sexual sin and the way to just be an overcomer is a daily consumption, a daily download of the reading and the meditation of God's Word. Every time you read the Word, whether you feel it or not, every time you read the Word, church, listen to me, your mind is being renewed. That word there is being made new. You're literally, the old thoughts are going. Your mind's being washed with the water of God's word. You're being cleansed. And literally, old brain, old brain cells come back alive. Your spiritual brain cells start leaning toward Christ. And you say, goodbye, stinking thinking, and hello, mind of Christ. That's what the word of God does. That's why I encourage you to get in the word. And I say to, to most men that I talk to, ladies too, but most men, if they're telling me about their thought life, I'll ask them first, how's your word time going? 
Not to beat them down over the word, but to say, if you get the word in your heart, those thoughts got to go. But you got to be continually parking in the word. Goodbye, stinking thinking. Hello, mind of Christ. It starts by what you put into your mind. Number two, what you say. What I just read, it said, avoid dishonest speech and pretentious words. Be free from using perverse words no matter what. I love that language there. No matter what. Let me just say this to all of us. Sexual sin will always include secrecy, deception, and lying. I'll say it again. Sexual sin will always include secrecy, deception, and, and lying. Can I just tell us to be a church? Let's be a church. Let's be a people who are honest with God. Hello? Honest with ourselves. Honest with our spouse if we're married and or our accountability partner. Let's be honest. Somebody say honest. Just be upfront about it. I'm struggling. I've looked at some things. I've opened some doors. I've gotten lazy in my home. Whatever it is, be upfront about it. Bring it into the light. Hello. Bring it to light. Listen, I don't know what you were told about your father up in heaven, but he's not. When you bring it up to light, he's not there to embarrass you. He's there to heal you. So when you bring it into the light, he's not to beat you down in all your mistakes. No, he wants to love you and say, son, daughter, let me heal you from this. He reveals to always heal. He exposes not to expose you. He exposes the sin to remove it and to heal you and set you free. So speak the truth. Tell on yourself. I tell Lisa everything. I just tell her. I want her to know. And I tell her, I've learned, I tell her on the front side when I'm weak and tired. I just tell her. And I tell you what, actually, it's built a greater trust with us. Babe, I'm, I'm weak and tired. I'm going to stay off the, the iPad. Even though I've got filters, I can't go anywhere. It was almost impossible studying on this message. My filters are so strong. I was like, sexual sin? No. Nah. Uh, pornography? Uh. I'm like, oh, you know. But we gotta, the Bible says about being honest, it's called confession. Confession means speak out loud. Confess your sins one to another and pray for each other that you may be healed. James 5, 16. If you're going to live pure and holy before God, at some point we've got to stop lying to ourselves and to others and speak the truth. And let me just say this for all of us in the room. Listen to me. This just kind of sums it all up here. Doing life God's way never involves lying or deception. Did you hear me? Doing life God's way never involves lying or deception, ever. It's always up front. It's good. It's blessed. God's ways are always the best. Amen? Number three. So we talked about what you put in your mind, what you say. Number three, what you look at. Let me ask it this way. What are you gazing at? What are, what are, we, what are we gazing at? He said in Proverbs 4, set your gaze on the path before you. With fixed purpose, look straight ahead. Ignore the distractions. Another translation said, don't look to the left or the right. I love what Hebrews says. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. Don't be distracted. Now listen, church, big difference between what you see and what you look at. You can't help in this world to see things, but you can't help but what you look at, what I look at. I'm not talking about a passing glance. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Lisa and I 
we have a rule when we go to the mall. She'll be just like left. I'm like, okay. You know, just like right. Okay. Left. Okay. I kid you not. That's our rule. Especially when we get in that underwear area. She's just like left, 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 left. But I appreciate that I have a wife, my best friend, who's looking out for my eyes and my heart. Amen? That may sound corny to you, but I call it love. So we got to make sure, what, what are we looking at? I'm talking about the gaze, passionate desire that leads to fantasy and, uh, and imagination. How many of us have undressed, undressed others with our eyes? Listen, with the help of the Holy Spirit, with the help of the Holy Spirit, one of his names is the helper, and with the practical thing of technology, we must govern what we look at. I just told you, I can't go anywhere. I remember when we put the, the codes on there, Grant, you remember that? He just, I said, son, put, put, the, put the security code, and he was like, da, 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 da. you know, I'll never be able to guess that crazy code to get in there, and I don't want to. And listen, you're fooling yourself if you don't have some kind of filters on all your electronics. You're playing games with something that is not good. We need to have some type of filter and software on our stuff. And by the way, there is free stuff out there. There's expensive stuff too, but whatever, get some stuff on there. Your TV, all of it. Protect yourself and your children and your family. Listen, um, if a thief was to come into my house, heaven forbid, my ring network's been going off. We've been having some break-ins in our area, our area, not just our street. And, um, and I'm part of the ring family, like, oh, no, 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 you know. And if some, a thief was coming into your house, I'll just say my house, I want to introduce them to my two other sons, Smith and Wesson. And the last thing I want to do is shoot somebody, but if they're coming in to cause damage to my family, I'm going to take them out because I got one family. You don't have to like what I'm saying. This is my conviction. I'm going to protect my family. I'm going to lay my life down. For if, I mean, if that guy's coming in the window, I'm literally pushing him out, whoever it is. But we allow the thief who is named Lucifer to come in our homes all the time in the name of entertainment. And we got to say no more. We got to get radical about it. And if you're thinking your kids are bulletproof, you are sadly deceived. It's all out there. And we got to be careful. TV, internet, all of it, scrolling social media, all of it. We got to be careful and, and raise the guard, be radical. For the sake of righteousness. Not out of legalism, but because we love Jesus. And we want to be sexually pure. Amen? Final one, number four. Where you go. What you put in your mind, what you say, what you look at. And where you go. Somebody say go. Listen, we must know where to go and where not to go. We need to be very selective. Very selective. Radically selective about where we allow ourselves and our family members to go. Speaking of what we're talking about. He says this, watch where you're going. Stick to the path. Stick to the path of truth. And the, what, sit right here on the screen, if we have that scripture. And the road will be safe and smooth. Thank you. Before you. Don't allow yourself to be sidetracked for even a moment. Or take the detour that leads to darkness. 
Jesus. David's one of my heroes. But do you know how he failed besides having some unconquered lust in his heart? He was in the wrong place at the wrong time. The Bible says when all kings went out to war, David stayed behind. Wrong place, wrong time. And then Bathsheba enters in the picture and we know the rest. Everything went downhill after Bathsheba. But David's real problem was he had some unconquered, unrepentant lust. But his location, listen, your location tells God everything. Your proximity tells God everything. Where is your heart taking you? I got a t-shirt bragging on being spirit-led and brisket-fed. Can we need to be a spirit-led people? But can I tell you what? We don't need to be led by our heart because our heart is wickedly deceitful. We need to be led by the Spirit of God. Lord, if you wouldn't go there, I am not going there. And I'm going to raise up filters and all kind of stuff so that I can't go there when I'm weak and tired. Our proximity of God tells, our proximity, where we're at, our location tells God everything. It's like Life 360. Anybody know what I'm talking about, that Life 360 app? We all know as a family where everybody, I see Allison in Dallas where she's going to church this morning early and my family and everybody going. I can't even sneak into Best Buy to buy Top Gun Maverick because Lisa will write me and say, why are you at Best Buy? What are you doing over there? I'm like, oh, 360. Life 360. Listen, there's no such thing as a slip-up. We know what we're doing, and we know where we're going. The Bible tells us to stay away. Just don't even get close to it. Proverbs even tells us to stay away from her. Who is her? Sexual morality, the sexual immoral woman. But it usually, it's just stay away from sexual sin. Don't go near the door. Somebody say door. Don't go near the door of her house. Listen, if you're, if you're serious, I know I've given you a lot today, but y'all are awesome. Thank you. If you're serious about living a life of purity, you're going to have to be radically selective of where you allow yourself to go. Just as we close, at some point in our lives as Christ followers, if we're going to fully, really fully commit to God, listen to me, we're going to have to really make a decision about who or what is sitting on the throne of our heart. Is it sex sitting on the throne of my heart? Or is King Jesus sitting on the throne of my heart? God came up with sex. We've already spelled out how that's supposed to go down. But sex can become an idol sitting on the throne of our heart in a perverted way that God wants to heal us from. I learned this by being broken free and healed and delivered from sexual addiction. Our addictions is tied to our lack of surrender to King Jesus. I'm going to say that again. Our addictions are tied to our lack of surrender to King Jesus. Today, I can't wave my hand and do anything, but today for many people in the room, it can become a new day of journey, of healing and freedom and deliverance, and it can be a day of a radical, radical lifestyle to do whatever it takes. That's the attitude. I, I just kept hearing, the, I studied all weekend, whatever it takes, God, whatever it takes, whatever it takes. Can't watch that show anymore. Whatever it takes. I'm not going to allow that in my home anymore. Whatever it takes. I'm going to be radical for the sake of purity, starting with me as the priest of the home and my whole family. Whatever it takes, because I want to look like you. Amen? Let's pray together. Father,
Thank you for this time. Come on, right, right where you're at. Can you just whisper to him your express to him in your own way gratitude of that he's always been with you, that he's our healer. He's our deliverer. Father, thank you, God, for your healing. Thank you, Lord, for your grace. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy. Thank you, Lord, you never give up on us. Thank you, Lord, you'll never kick us to the curb. Thank you, Lord, you always say, come as you are. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy, God, that you poured out on my life. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you're really good at restoring things that have been lost or stolen. Thank you, Lord, that we're not who we used to be. But we're becoming, with your help, who we've been called to be. And so we thank you. Maybe you're in the room right now in this moment, just with every head bowed, every eye closed. The most important call of all that you need to answer is the call of your salvation or coming back to Jesus. So if you're here today and you're away from Jesus, or maybe you've never asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, Can I just ask you right here in this moment, if that's you, you're in a safe place and it's just a decision of saying, Jesus, I need you to be Lord. I've been running my life my way and I'm done. I'm through and I surrender to you. If that's you today in this space, ask you to raise your hand real quick. Say, Pastor, that's me. Today, I want to come back to Jesus. I want to make him Lord of my life. Thank you, Father. Raise it high so I can see you. Thank you, Lord. Don't be ashamed. Don't be embarrassed. You're in a safe space. Thank you, Lord. Your hand is an extension of your heart. That's why I say raise it high. He died for your heart. He wants you, son. He wants you, daughter. And there's nothing that you have done in your past that will stop him from loving you with everything he's got. He actually thought of your past and all the yuck we've ever done while he went to the cross. Come on, pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, all of us in the room, Jesus, we come to you now. And we thank you for leaving heaven, for coming to earth, for dying on the cross, and for rising from the dead for me. So right now, in Jesus' name, I give you my heart. I give you my life. I repent of my ways and do in life my way. And I make you king and Lord of my heart. I surrender my all to you. Help me be all that you call me to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Several of you raised your hands. You made the most important decision of your life. Here's what I want to ask. I want to ask everybody to stand up real quick. Please don't leave unless you have to leave. I believe God wants to put the icing on the cake in this moment right here to finish up. We serve a God who is really good at doing heart surgery. Many of us in the room are testimonies of heart surgery. He took an old heart and made something new. So in just a moment, I'm going to come down these stairs and come on the floor. Again, this is just an elevated platform so you can see me. Because I want to give a call now to anyone in the room who wants to join me into a radical purity. A radical purity. Maybe you're in the room and sex has been on the throne of your heart. And I know you're thinking, well, what will people think? Who cares what people think? Who cares what people think? 
at the end of the judgment day, it's just going to be you and God. So if you're here today and you're struggling, if you're here today and sex is on the throne of your heart, if you're here today and you've gotten loose or you've gotten lazy and you want to be radical, a different approach about your heart with sexual purity and your family's heart because you represent someone and someone's. If you're here today, I'm not looking for a number. I'm just saying this is the call of God for anybody here today. And I'm telling you, I believe, again, nothing magical about up here, but you coming and saying, I'm gonna, if you hear a message on radical, you got to make a radical move. I'm just saying. And so, Lord, I'm coming to you to say, you went all the way from me. I need to go all the way for you. Don't let your past define you. Don't let your mistakes define you. Don't let your failures define you. You serve a God who can heal it all and wash it all away with his blood. The team, Alvin and the team, is going to lead us in a simple course. And if you're here today, and, you, if, and if you're uncomfortable coming up front, that's okay. Make your chair your altar, but don't just let this moment fly by. But if you want to join me, because I was, I was convicted all week, you know, I was like, I'm, I'm good, church, but I was like, I want to get radical. I want to get radical, even for my grandchildren one day. Come on, the generational curses that were are broken in Jesus' name off our lives. But it starts with me, it starts with you. So if you're here today and you need to make him Lord in these, any of these areas we talked on, I encourage you to join me up front. We're going to worship God in a moment and then we're going to pray. Let's worship God together.